We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome back in. You were listening to the June 15, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions and brought to you by the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart, at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a contributor here at The Viz and, of course, the writer of the in-season weekly Dynasty Watch, winner of the 2017 writing contest, and much more on the site. Welcome back on the show, John Lipinski. You can find him on the tweets at FF underscore Ball. Great to have you back on the show, man. What's good? Uh, nothing much. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Oh, it's always our pleasure here. Good to be back with you. I know we talked a little bit uh, right before the the end of uh, 2017, so uh, really get some great topics here that we can kind of carry back in as we're uh, talking about dynasty trades, team outlooks, player outlooks, offseason prep, you name it. John, man, before we dive right in, this offseason, a couple things have really stood out to me from your timeline. One, of course, is your undying love for Marcus Mariota this year. You recently wrote why he's primed for a post-hype breakout. Give us your pitch, why he's being undervalued, and why you're overexposed in best ball drafts this year. 
Sure, you know, I mean, I've always been a Mariota fan, and you know, being uh, completely honest here, I drafted a lot of them last year too, and that that didn't turn out so hot because <laughs> he actually had a pretty uh, crappy year. But the reason I was drafting him last year is his first two seasons. If you look at him, you know, I went back and used the the Rotoviz screener, which you know is just an amazing tool to to go on there and really sort through stats. That um, his first two seasons, basically, if you look at him, and, and the screener goes back to the year two thousand, that in his first two years. Nobody scored more fantasy points per game than him other than two other players, and it was only Cam Newton and Robert Griffin. That was it. End of list. None of these other guys, you know, all these other great quarterbacks and stuff like that in their first two years, nobody had more points per game than Mariota did other than those two guys. So, I mean, he had, you know, he got injured the one year. Well, he got injured both years technically, but he missed like four games his first year and just a game and a half his second year or whatever. I mean, he basically, you know, had these – really a superstar start to his career, but because he got injured a little bit, it kind of flew under the radar, and then, you know, everybody was expecting big things last year, and it just went in the shitter, you know, um, uh, he threw 13 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, so his interceptions were way up, his touchdowns were way down, um, and it, he just he just had to, you know, really shit the bed, but the, the Titans' entire offense did. I mean, and really, it, you had the exotic Smash Mouth in there. I mean, <laughs> e- everybody hated exotic sm- Smash Mouth. That uh, Malarkey was probably one of the most maligned coaches out there. And you can look at the fact that, I mean, I can't think of a coach. I mean, tell me if you can, that a coach is coaching a team for two years and then takes them, you know, winning record both years, takes them to the playoff, wins a game, and then gets fired afterwards. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's kind of unprecedented, right? Like, I can't think of, in recent memory, a coach who did that and then, like, just got chick-hand that quick. So um, I think that tells you all you need to know about, you know, how they felt, you know, that they were really winning in spite of Malarkey and his offense, you know, not, not because of it. So even though Mariota, you know, he had these great two years with Malarkey there originally, you know, I think it was kind of in spite of him rather than because of him. You know, that they, they ran all these two wide receiver sets. They they had these condensed power formations, which, which nobody really does anymore. You know, everybody in the NFL is trying to pass and spread it out. Meanwhile, the Titans are just, you know, telegraphing every play, you know, and, and doing all these power run things. I, I think that, um, you know, with him gone, LaFleur from uh, the Rams coming over, who, you know, I mean, obviously Sean McVay gets most of the credit, but, you know, LaFleur was an offensive coordinator over there, and now he's coming over, and he was the fast. they were the fastest-paced team in the first half and in uh, neutral situations last year, the Rams were. So overall, their pace wasn't that high because in the second half, they had huge leads, and they were, like, slow as shit. They were just running the ball constantly. But when they had the neutral situation, when they were trying to get the lead, they ran very, very fast plays. So now he's coming over to the Titans to take that over, and I think he's really going to help, you know, just push Mariota forward to the, you know, give him that volume he needs because he's never even had a lot of volume, and he still finished on a QB1 pace, you know, the first two years of his career. Now you're going to give him that volume, you know, more volume, faster offense, uh, and theoretically a better offense, and I, I think he just has the potential to explode, you know, and, and easily be like a top five guy if things break right. 
Craig, how are you going to get fired on your day off? Malarkey, how are you going to get fired when you want a playoff game? Only in the NFL can exotic Smash Mouth not be so exotic and just completely <laughs> crush the fantasy value of all the assets in there. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100% across the board here. Now, John, something else you did here. Uh, you took over the tight end model on uh, this year for, for RV Nation here. Uh, who are a couple guys that you got on your radar that somebody might not be looking at? And then, of course, kind of piggyback into uh, Greg Olson. This is a guy that, of course, got injured a little bit last year, too, kind of fell off the, the radar, and now it looks like he's on your draft board as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the the model really liked uh, Mike Gusecki. I mean, he's an obvious one. Everybody's on him. He's the first guy going in drafts. Hated Hayden Hurst. I mean, uh, you know, not only was he old, but he was not that good for being as old as he was. You know, he, he had decent market share numbers but not great, decent speed score, but not great, didn't do well on the bench press. So he's a fade for me. You know, Mark Andrews is on people's radar, but I, I take him over Hayden Hurst, and Hurst is co- currently going ahead of him. That um, I think redraft-wise for this season, you know, Hurst will probably get more of the work, but then when it comes down to it that Andrews, you know, ultimately in the long run is going to be the more valuable pass-catching asset there, may- maybe even as soon as this year. You know, it's, it's entirely possible he... he takes him over this year because Baltimore likes running these two tight end sets. So, um, you know, if he's on the field and he's getting open, he might get more targets. As far as a deep dive there, there's not really, like, the gems there were in last year's class um, where you had, like, Jonu Smith, who was, like, a little bit later, but the, the model really loved. But um, uh, there's Chris Herndon on the Jets kind of interests me, and he, he screwed it up a little bit because he got a DUI recently, I think, so that puts a little bit of a damper on it. But he's a guy that fared well in the model, wasn't particularly great at any one thing, but, but was kind of good across the board. And when you look at the Jets, I mean, there's not a whole lot of tight end competition. you got Clive Walford, who flamed out in Oakland. You've got uh, Jordan Leggett, who's going to his second year, but really hasn't done anything. So, um, you know, I think Herndon's one of those guys that's being kind of ignored, but could emerge as, you know, a solid you know, low-end TE1 somewhere in his career down the line. You know, I, I'm not expecting much this year just because I'm not expecting much from any rookie tight ends. But, uh, you know, he, he's looking like he could be kind of good. Um, the only other one uh, rookie there, Ian Thomas, you know, he's going to be stuck behind Greg Olson for a while. But the model, you know, he, he passed the 15% threshold in the model. Dallas Goddard obviously looks good, but he's going to be stuck behind Zach Ertz. Uh, so you got a couple of guys that were a little more interesting, but you know the, their opportunity just is not there. Uh, the the one only other guy, uh, Jordan Akins with the Texans. He's another old guy, kind of like Hayden Hurst, but you know Hurst, whereas he's expensive, Akins is a lot cheaper. So um, you know even though I don't love Akins, he's one of those guys where hey, with the opportunity he's going to have, you know he's cheap enough to take a shot on that. You might as well. Um, as far as Olsen goes. When I looked at Olsen, he basically, his ADP is uh, later than it was any time in the past four years. But all of the past four years, he's had like a 12% win rate in MFL 10s, basically. You know, other than last year, obviously, when he got injured. But um, the three years before that, that he's he's really just had some uh, some really good years where he's, you know, outperformed his ADP. So all he really needs to do is kind of return to form of where he was before this injury. Now, He's got some additional competition. You got DJ Moore there. Um, this is going to be his first year playing with Christian McCaffrey there. 
Um, so there's there's more competition for targets. New offensive coordinator, but North Turner does like throwing the tight ends. Uh, so th- there's some risk there. There's not. It's not like 100. percent Yeah, you know he can pick up right where he left off, but th- the quarterback hasn't changed. You know I think Cam Newton likes throwing to him. Um, I think he's still going to get his, and even if his stats kind of take a dip from where he was back in 2016, uh, you know his ADP is a little bit later too. Uh, you know, even if he doesn't give you a 12% win rate, maybe it's a 10% win rate. I just think he's one of those safe picks. And, uh, you know, Rotodoc has showed in the past that, you know, the two tight end one strategy is, is a very uh, good strategy to take these two early tight ends. And I feel like he's just a guy that is a safe pick within that strategy of, hey, he's going to get the targets. He's going to score points. And he's not overly expensive. You're not, you're not spending the first two or three rounds on like a Kelsey or Gronk, which I'm fine with those guys too. But, you know, if I'm not going with those guys, you know, he's, he's usually sitting there for me where I can get him cheap. With you across the board on Greg Olson and the likes of some of those rookies there. Um, I just like the situation for tight ends down there in Carolina. I have not left a rookie draft without snagging Ian Thomas as my last pick. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, no, I don't want to draft the tight end because you, you can buy him cheaper before they actually start producing. But if you're in a deep dynasty, Ian Thomas is definitely somebody that I just want for the situation. Um, you know, if Olsen does go down or if he does perhaps tend to kind of um, go downward a little bit. But uh, across the board there, and this is the type of good stuff you're going to get over there on rotaviz.com. Check out the tight end model. Check out the post-hype uh, Marcus Mariota piece and everything else, all the tools that help us research this, you can get for 30% off right now if you go over to Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Do that. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, and it also supports this pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz channel on iTunes. Do that. You'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league hosted by our friends over the FFPC. Go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotoviz writers and podcasters, email us. Rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'll go ahead and get that set up for you. If you're a fan of the show and you want to sub directly to the feed, that's the fantasy football mailbag feed. Do so. It takes hard work getting the show out every week. Do us a solid and hit that rate button. And of course, if you have any questions you want answered on the show, hit us up via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and get that going for you as well. All right, John, let's go ahead and dive in, fire up some of these QQs for the week. Here we go, Dynasty. I know, <laughs> here we go. The aforementioned exotic Smash Mouth is gone from Tennessee, but what does that mean for overall pass volume? I have shares of both Johnny Smith, Taiwan Taylor, and I'm wondering if either uh, can actually break out this year or are both really just kind of uh, puff pieces we love to talk about for another year. Yeah, so I think, um, like I said, getting rid of exotic Smash Mouth is fantastic. <laughs> but uh, the pace is going to increase for sure. That Lafleur's coming over. And, you know, he ran a fast-paced offense there in the Rams and only slowed down when they had a big lead. Now, I actually think that the Titans' defense is underrated, too. I, they've been one of my big targets in best ball. You know, they picked up Malcolm Butler. They, they've got some other guys come back healthy, some other guys they brought in. And, um, you know, I, I think they're actually going to be sneaky good, but probably not as good as the Rams were last year. So I'd expect that, um, you know, you're going to see a higher pace. Um, you know, so even if they don't, necessarily pass a whole lot more than what they were doing, which which they should pass some more. 
you're just going to have more plays by default. And you're going to have more plays because I, I just expect the offense to be better so they'll stay on the field more. So um, even if their like, percentage of passing doesn't go up a ton, I think you're just going to see more plays overall, and that, that's going to help the volume there. Uh, as far as John Smith goes, it's tough because, you know, again, young tight end behind a guy in Delaney who, uh, you know, has been just – he's been basically their, their top receiver there for years now. And I, I can't really see that changing too much this year. You know, they might get John on the field some, but, uh, you know, unless there's an injury to Delaney, I, I don't think it's happening here in 2018. Now, Delaney's contract is up at the end of the year. But we've seen these older tight ends just kind of hang on forever at this point. So, I mean, I could see him resigning there for a couple more years, similar to what Greg Olson just did in Carolina. Um, but you never know. So, I mean, it's tough because I, I do love Johnu, but like in shallower leagues, he might just be a roster clogger at this point. Uh, Taylor Taylor, on the other hand, he's, um, you know, his big problem last year was they ran some, so many of these two wide receiver sets. He, he was on the field most of the time. That should change here. The Rams actually ran the most three wide receiver sets of anybody last year. So if LaFleur is going to replicate that over in Tennessee, then there's no reason that Taylor shouldn't be on the field the majority of snaps now. Uh, and, you know, once he's on the field, you know, he's going to have a chance to make plays. So I, I think he's actually a good sneaky play this year just because he should see a lot more snaps and should have a lot more opportunity. Yeah, I'm with you there. Generally, with the breakout, and we're not expecting him to break out entirely you'd like to see some previous production first but I mean it's literally a new offensive concept that's going to you know bring more of the three wide receiver sets into play there so I'm with you there uh, the next one here redraft should I have cold feet on Gronk this year given the substantiation of the Gronk trade rumors I don't think for a second they trade him now but is there a chance that all of this added turmoil means the Pats just aren't quite the Pats and is Gronk uh, maybe more focused on landing his next movie or rapping career. So we get a bunch of narrative built into the question here. But, I mean, it, it's not without some sort of substance, right? So what say you? For me, I think that Gronk was positioning for a new contract. Nobody has any way to know for sure. I think that a lot of that drama is real. There's too much smoke not to be fire, that there's clearly some drama with ownership, Brady, Gronk, whatever the hell's going on there. But at the same time, I think that he's looking to get paid. You know, he's trying to negotiate, you know, some more incentives into his contract, at least, or maybe an extension. Um, all the stuff about him quitting to become a wrestler. I actually went and looked up what the top wrestlers make, and it's not as much as what Gronk makes. So if you're Gronk's, a Gronk's agent, if you're, uh, is, I think his agent's Rosenhaus, right? So, um, if, if you're him, you're telling Gronk, look, like, you've got a limited number of years you can play football, you know, Finish playing football, make that money, get done with that, and then you can go wrestle. You know, I mean, the, the, the wrestling your lifestyle. Body through those hell. guys travel a lot. They, <laughs> uh, you know, the, their bodies get beat up too. Mm -hmm. You know, is it really that much better to go do that for less money? Yeah, I don't know. So my money's on him. You know, saying, hey, you know, I got a little bit more earning potential here, playing a few more years. I actually just bought him in a dynasty league. Uh, I think that you know he's a guy I'm holding now. And, you know, hoping that, you know, maybe sometime in the next month he signs an extension. Yep. Uh, very good. Uh, your best and worst purchase you've ever made, John. So I'm going to wrap this into one purchase. Okay. So the best purchase I ever made was an engagement ring for my wife. Okay. Because I oh, love my shucks. beautiful wife. You know, we've, we've got a great family, great marriage now um, for like nine years. Uh, it's also the worst purchase I ever made. <laughs> because 
diamond rings. There's a real diamond, and real diamonds are, are bullshit. They're overvalued. It's artificially inflated prices, and you've got these like crazy moral quandaries with them that they're you know human rights violations to acquire them. I mean, once you actually look into it, it's like, oh man, like why why am I buying this? You know, mm-hmm. like like you know, there's more after the fact. You know, I was in my twenties, I wasn't really thinking about all that stuff. But then when when you really look at it, you see some of these documentaries on stuff. It's like, oh man, like this is terrible. <laughs> like why would anybody ever buy a diamond? So um, guys. You know, if the younger guys out there, you know, if you're looking to propose or something, you know, go out, rent the movie Blood Diamond, stream it on whatever the hell streaming platform you got, or one of those documentaries, you know, about diamonds, you know, get, get your girlfriend to watch it now. You know, you don't even have to like, like talk about, just be, oh, hey, I heard this was good. You know, don't, don't talk about in the context of like a ring. Just, you know, start planting the seeds now because ultimately you want her to not want the diamond. Because it's going to be a lot cheaper for you, and you're not going to be, you know, contributing to awful stuff going on, you know, by buying it. I remember and nobody's my gonna wife. Know. Nobody's going to know the difference. No, they they won't. Well, I I don't know. I I'm pretty pretty certain. In fact, I'm certain there is a subset of of women, including my wife, that that will know. Especially considering <laughs> she she did ask me for an upgrade. I don't remember when it was, but then we got to sit down and and talk about all the things we could actually do that uh, actually matter with that upgrade. But I don't know. I guess it's some sort of tradition that I'm going to end up having to do eventually. I'm not very happy about it. But, I mean, you know, what, what can you do here? But, I mean, yeah. uh, the next question is is, is uh, the person is struggling, like I'm struggling with upgrading that ring here. At the end of the first round, I want to go uh, double wide receiver, he says, more often than not, but then realizes – uh, you can still net Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, A.J. Green on the way back in the second. When looking at the running backs, there's a good chance he's looking at two of uh, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley. Should he just uh, spread expo- uh, exposure there, or is there a better way to go? I mean, I'm always kind of a fan of spreading exposure up in the, you know, like that early in the draft because you, you generally don't want to be too overexposed to anybody. You know, that, that I'm not, you know, splitting it entirely evenly. I, I do have my favorites, but... You know, you don't want to say, I'm going to hammer this guy every time that, uh, you know, can really end up screwing you, especially, you know, uh, over the years, the early draft slots have outperformed the later draft slots. So um, you're already playing behind the eight ball if you're drafting towards the end of the first round there. I've been kind of going, diversifying the players I take on my strategy. I've done two RBs there. I've done two wide receivers there, and sometimes it you know kind of depends who falls to me. You know, if, o- if Odell Beckham falls all the way to like the one eleven, I'm almost definitely taking him. Right, um, right. Saquon Barkley towards the beginning of the year was available at the end of the first. Now he's kind of not a lot of the time. He's available. You know, he's getting taken a decent amount earlier. That of of those three running backs, I'm probably the highest on Barkley and Gordon. Fournette just concerns me a little bit because of um, he's not going to get as many targets, but he does have huge touchdown upside. Obviously, like he he was on pace for like twelve touchdowns last year if he didn't get injured. But um, you know if he if he stays healthy, obviously he could he could just score a shit ton of touchdowns. You know Barkley's a little bit more of a, a wild card, and you can I've seen people saying oh he's overdrafted. We are not what we're getting with him. But I remember Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year too. People were saying that. That Zeke was getting overdrafted, and then he ended up smashing. So it's it's kind of like, yeah, you know, he's being drafted high, but there is a reason for it. Now, now Barkley's not going to have the same offensive line Zeke had, but like he's going to get a lot more targets too. You'd have to assume. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, I, I'm more, more comfortable with him and Gordon probably. If I'm going through those uh, RBs, I, I do like Keenan Allen. I love AJ Green. Mike Evans, um, I, I'm debating with him. I have some Mike Evans, but like, you know, he, he's actually lasting in some cases to like the early third I've seen. So, um, yeah, I'm looking I'm at him probably... at the end of the second here on a, in a couple best ball drafts. And, uh, it's remarkable that, that he's there, right? It's like, I'm at, here we are. I'm at 2.8 and Mike Evans is on the board. And that, I mean, yeah. it, I'm pick 2.9, right? If Mike Evans is still there, one more pick from now, I'm taking him. Yeah. And I've seen him there. I've seen him, you know, early third. And I, I've seen AJ Green around there too. And, you know, AJ Green had a pretty solid year last year, despite the Bengals just being god awful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think he could be a great value again. So, so of those players listed, I'm probably lowest on Evans of the wide receivers and Fournette of the running backs. But I do own some of each of those guys, just less than the other guys. And I think it's fine to diversify your players and even diversify the strategy there, too. That, I mean, obviously, you know, the RBs are flying off the board real quick. But, you know, wide receivers could bounce back a little bit this year. It's also fine to diversify and take one wide receiver, one running back. You know, I I don't go in with any preconceived notions on these drafts. You know, I just go in and uh, see what looks best to me at the time. And obviously, format matters too. Draft where you have half PPR, you know, that kind of changes the equation a bit. You mentioned bounce back. Uh, I, coincidentally, I should say the next question is about Indy, right? Um, Andrew Luck is throwing passes. We don't know entirely what that means yet, but um, so I guess this is T.Y. Hilton here. Um, are we all systems go? Uh, he's still kind of going in the late second, early third now. We're going to start seeing him move. So um, are you moving? With the ADP, as it's it's going to increase as camp goes on, T.Y. Hilton is going to end up middle of the second at the at the latest here. So, what what are your thoughts on Hilton here? As far as luck goes, I've always been of the opinion that he's going to play this year, but there's a decent possibility he's not. You know, Andrew Luck. You know, he's he's not the guy he was exactly. You know, at least not this year. You know, I don't think like you know his career is necessarily necessarily shot. You know, based on some of the stuff uh, Dr. Jeff on Rotoviz has written about it, you know, his injury, you know, kind of kind of implies like, hey, even if he does come back, he might not be 100%. And the fact that he, he just started throwing a ball, you know, leads you to believe, hey, you know, he might have to knock some rust off here. I, I'm pretty confident he's going to play at this point, you know, but I don't know if he's going to be as good as he was. I think T.Y. Hilton is probably accurately priced in the third right now um, if luck is healthy. His ADP is actually looking at it recently was kind of towards the end of the third. The shares I have of Hilton is when he's been like right at the end of the third or even slipped a little bit into the fourth. Oh, I think man. you're right though. He's he's going to go up now. So um, I don't know if I'd be taking him in the middle of the second if he goes up just because I don't trust that luck is going to be, you know, necessarily like, you know, step right back to where he was. That being said, I, I do like some of the other pieces of Colts offense that uh, I've been buying some Ebron, you know, Eric Ebron's yes. been going kind of late. Yes. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> There's still All in. a few of us truthers out there. Um, <laughs> the dude is still young as – yeah, I mean, the, the guy's still young. It's not like he is completely sucked. Like, I I mean, this is the expectation when you try to tight end too early that young in the first round, right? I mean, gosh. And now – if if luck is back and like you know let's say he's let's say luck isn't all the way back 
this is where I'm going to go full-blown narrative here. I mean, wouldn't he need somebody like Ebron to depend on? Well, that's when I guess you can say, has Ebron ever let anybody depend on him? But <laughs> he's freaking dirt cheap right now, and I'm just That's the him. thing. He's so cheap. I mean, if, if he was expensive, like if he was getting drafted, like, you know, he was he was going to step right in there and, 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 you know, produce, then, you know, I'd have second thoughts. But at his current price, it's like, hey, like, you know the the, t, the the tight ends get ugly pretty quick. Mm-hmm. You know he's got that upside to like really produce like a top twelve tight end. So I mean you know he's worth taking a shot on where he's at right now. You know uh, the other wide receivers are all third cheap because nobody knows who the number two guy is going to be. You know they gave Ryan Grant a decent contract. I I, I actually wrote him up as a buy low this offseason, saying hey he's he's flying under the radar. That Baltimore went out and you know I mean the whole thing turned into a joke when they um you know, failed his physical and went got Crabtree instead. But, you know, they were obviously willing to give him a pretty big contract. And then as soon as he came available again, you know, Indy swooped in and picked the guy up. So, I mean, there's something there. It's, it's you know, he's kind of overlooked and he's kind of a punchline because of what um, the Ravens did to him. But, I mean, there's still something there with the guy. They, they like him. They're paying him money. Um, you know, there's a chance he could step up and actually do something. You know, he was actually pretty efficient last year when you look at him. Uh, they've been talking up Chester Rogers for a while. I don't know. We'll see. You know, but I mean, again, either of these guys could step up and, and get some work. And then you got the rookies, Deion Kane or Darius Fountain, Fountain. I don't know how you pronounce it, but, um, both of them are, are, you know, guys that, you know, who knows? I, I think Fountain's supposed to be a little bit more raw. He might be more of a dino type guy, maybe not, you know, best ball guy this year. Um, my biggest target on this offense is, uh, Heinz. There it is. You know, he, he's still going to like the 12th and 13th. There's a big teardrop. If you look at the ADPs of the running backs, after he goes off the board, there's like a two-round gap, basically, really, before like other guys really start getting picked. Um, so I've been ending up with a lot of him, and you know he's the pass catch. You know he's a pass catcher. So I mean, I think no matter you got an unsettled backfield, you got this guy who you know he was their top running back drafted here um, this year. You know you got a guy who ran super fast forty. He catches a lot of passes. I mean, he could be the Sears Tariq Cohen. You know, I I don't see any reason why he couldn't be that, or maybe even a little bit more. Um, you got some people on Jordan Wilkins. Uh, you know, he was drafted later. You know, uh, I don't know if he has as much of a chance of having standalone value if he doesn't get like a major role, because I would expect Hines would get more of a pass catching role, even even though Wilkins caught passes well too. I think Hines is like the safer play there to like get get you something. And then Frank Reich today was talking up, uh, you know, Turbo Bob, Rob, Rob Turbin over there. So <laughs> he's calling him a three down back. That's not happening, but you know, the, the, muddying the water even more. SpongeBob. <laughs> All right. We were, we're going to move on from here, John. Uh, if you had to become an inanimate object for a year, what object would you choose to be? We, we know it's not a diamond ring. <laughs> yeah. So I gave this one some thought. And I'm going with the Stanley Cup. Oh. Everywhere you go, everybody's happy and, like, pumped to see you. There's always, like, a big party going on. All the beer you can handle being thrown at you. Everybody wants to touch you. Everybody's excited about you. And you got that dude, your own personal butler. He's got the white (laughs) gloves. He's wiping you down, keeping you clean, putting you in that nice, like, velvet case there, you know, transporting you around. So I, I I think that would be a good life to, to live for a year. Sounds like a lot of fun. I think see that, a lot of interesting places. Yeah, I think that's the best answer we've gotten so far. Nicely done. I I would say for me personally, like I just couldn't do it. I mean, there's there's entirely too many people 
uh, touching me, too many mouths on me, too many different <laughs> liquids going in me. Like it's just, it's no, I, I just it's couldn't. a party though, man. It's a party. <laughs> Got to roll with it. There, there would quite literally be a party in in my cup. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> moving on from there, redraft. Do I have to like either Devontae Parker or Kenny Stills? I know everyone talks about the great value. Stills is in the ninth, but yet his ADP hasn't risen, so no one really likes his value if his ADP isn't climbing, right? So this is an interesting question here. You know, ah, geez, I mean, I like both these guys. Can't we just like both of them? Like, I think, you know, I don't like the Miami offense, but I think if you're looking for mid-round dudes, I mean, I, I, I like them both. What do you got? I, I, I like them both, too. Uh, I'm totally on board with you there. That um, I wrote up Stills as, you know, a, a dynasty by low primarily this offseason because in FFPC startups, he's going in, like, the 14th, and he's going behind oh, a bunch of guys that, you know, are older than him and have been worse than him. And it's to me, it's just kind of a head-scratcher. It's like, you know, Landry left. There's more targets available. Like he's already been better than a lot of these guys. And, and Albert now Wilson is get more opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Albert Wilson, and Danny Amendola are not getting targeted 160 times between them this year. Not you know. Happened. So, um, I, I I love Stills this year. I mean, he's uh, he finished last year as like the wide receiver 25 or something, and now he's his ADP is the wide receiver 47 in MFL tens and uh, wide receiver 54 over on draft. I mean, it's like, you know, if, even if all he does is repeat last year, he'll smash his ADP, you know. And if he gets more targets and does even better, then, like, forget about it. You know, I, I did the best ball bargain hunting piece, you know, looking at, like, you know, where he's cheapest. And FP, FFPC and draft, he's even cheaper than MFL 10. So, like, you know, you're saying, oh, in the ninth round. But, I mean, he's, he's even cheaper. I've gotten him in the 13th recently over an FFPC draft. And that, that just feels like stealing to me. As far as Parker goes, you know... Uh, I wasn't high on Parker, but, you know, I'm sitting there and you watch him drop in these drafts, like, down into the ninth round sometimes. And it's like, you know, you look at his 2016, he was actually pretty good and pretty efficient. He just didn't have the volume to really do anything. You know, he's being overdrafted, so so everybody's been burned by him at some point. But, I mean, you know, th- there's no reason. If, if he can stay healthy, and that's always the big if, and that that's a lot of players who say, well, if he can stay healthy. But, like, you know, there's plenty of guys who we say that about, and then they do have a healthy year. So um, I think at his current ADP, like, there's no reason not to take a shot on Parker. You know, with Landry gone, uh, you know, in this bad, the, the Dolphins' defense does not look good. They're not one that I'm on for sure. So, uh, you know, Dolphins are theoretically going to have to throw it a lot. You know, they got a new OC in there who said, you know, hey, we're going to run more no huddle. We're going we're gonna to try and pick up the pace. Um, why the hell not? You know, even if you don't like Ryan Tannehill, if, if the volume's there, he's getting the targets. You know, it doesn't take much, you know, in that round to to really break out. So, um, you know, you've been burned by him before, but a lot of people were burned because you're drafting him in the fourth or the fifth. Now he's in the ninth. So mm-hmm. why the hell not? Yeah, I mean, Kenny Stills. I and see, you have to pay a tax for Parker over Stills, so that's why majority of the people will take Stills. Stills, I totally get it, right? And it makes perfect sense to take Stills. Love, love Stills there. I mean, but I. Jeez, I'm paying the tax on Parker because I think the dude is, I mean, he just has the profile to break out here. Like, he's had some motivational issues. He's had some, whatever, concentration issues, all that with the with the wide receiver camps. And it just hasn't worked out. But, I mean, his profile, 
His collegiate profiler profile was no, nothing other than spectacular. I mean, the dude literally pulled down a 46% dominant rating, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I mean, he broke People out at 19. That. Yeah, he, he broke out at 19. If anybody's going to be that breakout this year, I, I think it's Devontae Parker. And the more and more I look at this offense, and it's like, I realized this after I traded Ryan Tannehill to Charles K in RDL. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I low-key and am really starting to buy into Miami, right? I just think they're going to have more concentrated volume to the wide receivers between Parker and Stills. I think Gusecki is going to be one of those, you know, uh, I guess anomalic tight ends that does kind of hit the scene early. And Drake is just going to be you know, all all engaged in volume and catches out of the backfield because, quite frankly, as you mentioned, Gabe script-wise, he's going to have to. So I just low-key, I'm, I'm buying these targets because they're all cheap. I, I do want to throw in my, my favorite still stat that I came across when I was looking at him, that of the receivers since the year 2000 and their age 21 through 25 season, he is the number one most efficient receiver there as far as fantasy points over expectation. Wow. I mean, that's higher than Odell Beckham, Larry Fitzgerald, Randy Moss, Julio Jones. Kenny Stills is number one. Now, obviously, I don't think he's better than those guys. But, I mean, like, to, to, to be number one on that list tells you a little bit something about him. He hasn't just been compiling stuff. He hasn't just been, you know, a little bit good. He's actually been really good, you know, over time. I mean, so if, if you give him decent volume, I, there's no reason to think that he can't, you know, have a good season. He hasn't just been kind of like middle of the road. He's He's been super efficient, super good. So, I mean... You know, I think there's, there's, you know, that's over a large sample of seasons. So, um, uh, he's he's only gonna be 26 years old this year. Why, why the heck not? You know, why, why can't he break out a little extra and and, and go big? I, I see no reason he can't. Well, we are absolutely caping up for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> feels dirty, doesn't oh, it? Oh, it feels so freaking dirty. So naturally, <laughs> we're moving into the fuck Mary kill, of course. So here's the value wide receiver edition. We've got Chris Hogan, Nelson Aguilar, and Randall Cobb. Okay, so I'm going to fuck Chris Hogan. If he stayed healthy last year, he would be primed for a big season. You know, he was looking good. Now you got Edelman suspended for four games. Um, you know, Cooks is out of there. Amendola's out of there. Uh, you know, the other wide receivers on the roster, Malcolm Mitchell, Kenny Britt, like nobody there really scares me, you know, as far as targets go. Um, you know, Gronk was healthy all last year. Maybe he's not this year. Who the heck knows? Uh, so, I, you know, Hogan, if he had stayed healthy, he would have been great. We'll see. I just, if the Edelman suspension drives his price up too high, I'd worry about it. But in recent drafts, he hasn't been that expensive yet. So uh, I'm still going with him on, on Buck. I think he, he could really be hot. Uh, Mary, I'm going with Randall Cobb. He's been kind of disappointing, but, you know, he, he's gotten targets. You know, I mean, and he, you know, Jordy's gone. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Uh, there's no reason he can't be a value where he's being drafted right now. He's too cheap. Uh, and kill, I'm going with Nelson Aguilar. Uh, the Eagles are good, but I kind of feel like maybe they're playing a little over their heads last year. You know, maybe the league will figure him out a little bit. Outside of his touchdowns, you know, he and Cobb had pretty similar stats last year. You know, he, he had a better yards per reception or whatever, but, you know, he also had Carson Wentz throwing to him. You know, as opposed to Cobb, who, you know, a lot of the season had a bunch of bumps. So um, I, I kind of feel like, you know, Cobb has a better chance to really improve on last year, whereas Aguilar, I think there's a better chance, hey, you know, if he doesn't score, you know, he had a pretty high TD rate last year. If he, if he doesn't repeat that, he could actually take a step back. 
Hey, Rotoviz fam. Jeremy Hart, Rotoviz Radio. Let me tell you about our friends over at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit interest and budget. Whether you like best ball or superflex or classic managed leagues, there are drafts daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slower live draft today. If you like Dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at just $77 and going up to $2,500. Here is something incredible. Not a single Dynasty league has folded in eight years. New Dynasty leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Do not miss the FFPC experience, folks. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, jumping right back in here, John. We've got best ball, uh, tight end premium. Is there any merit to taking Tyler Croft at this point with Tyler Eifert? Uh, health not looking so great as a tight end three. I'm thinking maybe he might carry more value now than the likes of Ricky Seals Jr., Vance McDonald, or even Ben Watson. So uh, I got to say this sounds very reminiscent to our uh, friends over at the FFPC, tight end premium here, deep drafts. What do you got? Yeah, so I've been taking Croft in some FFPC best balls that um, and those they're deep enough that uh, you can even pair him with Eifert if Eifert drops far, far enough and you want to take a gamble on him, um, say hey, I'm going to take Eifert and then I'll take Croft in the mid twenties if you know he's not always lasting that long, but sometimes he is, uh, and you know as a standalone option, I think he's fine too. You know, I probably prefer like uh, you know Vernon Davis over him if I'm taking one of these kind of backup backups to like the injury riddled guys you know he's jordan reed's backup vernon davis but i could see him having more standalone value than croft but i think eifert's more likely to miss time so um yeah i i think i think croft's worth taking and obviously if eifert misses time you know he's going to shoot right up in adp very good you know another guy and i i think he's still too deep even for ffpc best balls but just any deep roster like if it's a 16 person it's not going to be there but i mean the one guy deep, 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 deep that I keep I can't get my eyes off, John, is is Ryan Nall in Chicago. And I he's going to be a running back. I guess the reason he's signed in Chicago is because they're gonna keep him at running back. And I don't know if that's what's gonna actually happen. If it's just gonna be a running back in name or if he ends up um, in a, an H-back type role, and maybe he ends up getting a tight end designation across the platforms. I'm not sure, but I mean, when you take a look at his, you know, his his production profile, uh, you know, some of his his comparable stats there. I mean, it from a running back perspective, he, it doesn't look like he can't do anything that Jordan Howard is already doing, and he's the new coaching regime's guy, right? So, I mean, I think this might be an opportunity for him to potentially even just make Jordan Howard just just moot at this point. And, you know, I don't want to say he's going to adversely impact Trey Burton, but, I mean, I think this dude, and who knows, he could just be a camp body at this point, right? I mean, that's the, that's the likes of Hub Arkish here in local Chicago sports who normally doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about half the time. But, but I mean, I, I'm just, I'm looking at a guy like that, that, you know, 
you're swinging for the fence. Ryan Nall, I mean, if you've got a you know a 20th round pick, he's the type of guy. Am I crazy? Um, a maybe. little, a yeah. little. <laughs> he, he wasn't really on my radar too much, to be honest. But um, you know, again, in the FFPC drafts, you go a lot deeper. You know, so so it's it's worth looking at guys. You know, that in an MFL 10, you wouldn't be considering that. Um, you know, one of my FFPC best balls last year. You know, I won it because I 28th round I picked up Kenyon Drake. You know, I mean, so I mean, there, there's guys that you know in MFL 10s, he, he basically wasn't being drafted. So you, you get deep there where you say, hey, you're taking a guy who, you know, last year Drake was like, you know, hey, he's a backup. You know, it's like it was basically, hey, if Ajayi gets hurt, he might get the, you know, might be the start. I mean, Damian Williams technically was the first guy. He was like third on the depth chart. And then he ended up, you know, being a league winner because he had huge weeks towards the end. So, yeah, those deep drafts, you never know. You know, you, you know, you really got it. You are a football guy. When you don't say Ajayi, you say Ajayi. Like, you know the correct pronunciation of Ajayi, and that's just, that's, I gotta say. So, okay, top three video games of all time, top three serials. Uh, top three video games is a tough one, because I'm a gamer, I've played a ton of games. So I'm gonna go old school, original NES, Legend of Zelda, dope Ooh. game, just just fantastic. Uh, middle, middle, uh, you know, gaming, you know, a little bit after, actually... This is probably like around the same time, but it was on a computer. There's a game called uh, uh, Star Control. Probably not a lot of people have heard of it. Star Control and Star Control 2. These were amazing, dope games for the computer. There might be like two people who listen to this that are going to be like, oh, shit, I remember that game. It was amazing. <laughs> um, as an adult, the game that has held my attention the longest that I probably played for probably close to a decade would be Dota slash Dota 2. That, um, you know, just, you know, it, it really invented the. MOBA genre, you know, League of Legends is kind of a copy of that and everything. Um, it's the one that kind of started it all. They've got, you know, huge prize, prize pools in the esports scene. You know, the international prize pool last year was like 26 million or something like that. I mean, just, just a great, fun, well balanced, engrossing game that I don't have time to play anymore, <laughs> but just, just really love it. Top three serials. Uh, I'm going to be pretty boring here because I grew up with like, not allowed to eat the sugary cereals. So I was always a big Cheerios and Wheaties guy. But when I did eventually get a chance to eat the uh, sugary cereals, Golden Grahams all the way. Oh, Golden Grahams is low-key one of the best cereals of all time. All right. It's, a, it's solid, man. Good texture, good uh, good crunch, good sweetness. I like the shape. Just, just fantastic. Is there anything better than a bowl of Golden Grahams with some, with some bananas sliced in there? It's oh, not. yeah. Nice. So my kids don't like sliced banana in their cereal. They're not my Aww. kids. They're not mine. I don't know whose they are. <laughs> they could be the milkman's. I don't know whose they are, but they're not mine if they don't like sliced cereal. Like, I grew up with, you know, just eating, like, sliced strawberries and bananas in a bowl of milk, right? Did you do that? I, I definitely had the, maybe not the strawberries, but bananas, yeah, no doubt. It's, like, unheard of. Now, actually, when I think back... Like, what the hell was my mom doing, John? Like, <laughs> we used to just spoon white mass-produced sugar into that bowl of banana and milk, right? And, like, there'd just be, like, a layer of sugar at the bottom of that bowl. And it was, like, the favorite part of the bowl, right? Now, like, I just throw up in my mouth thinking about all that nasty sugar I was actually eating. So well, you know what? But we were we were outside. We were running around. We were playing. We weren't, uh, you know, playing that many video games. You know, 
Uh, you know, we were trying to, but they, were, they were kicking us out of the house and telling us not to come back till the sun went down. So you, need, you needed all that sugar energy there. Now it's the summertime, and I can't get my damn kids off of Fortnite for crying <laughs> out loud. Get your asses out of the house. Go play with a stick. I don't care what you do. Just get out of here. Yeah, even if you're hitting each other with the stick, just just go do it, you know? <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, Dynasty, Mike Evans or Juju, Royce Freeman, and a 2019 second. You know, I don't even like Royce that much, but I do like Juju. And, you know, throwing that extra second, I, I feel like that's just too good value to pass up. I'll, I'll take the package. Dynasty, uh, Devontae Parker or Jamison Crowder? That's tough. I mean, you made the, the arguments for Devontae earlier of, you know, why he's probably being undervalued. And I think that, you know, Crowder is a bit of a safer pick. So I'm going to kind of hedge my bets here. I'm going to say in leagues with shallow starting lineups where you really, you know, you're not starting marginal depth guys. You really want like a superstar, you know, in every slot that in a shallow league, shallow starting lineups, I'm going to go Devontae. And deeper leagues, I'm going to say Crowder because a guy like Crowder, you'd be starting him on a regular basis. If you only got like a few starters or whatever, uh, Crowder's not necessarily a guy that's going to be cracking your starting lineup all the time. And I don't know if he has that upside for that. Maybe, maybe not. Devontae probably has that higher ceiling. So I'm going to say it depends on the, the depth of your league. Yeah, I think that's right. It's also the construct of your team, right? Like if you can afford a swing and miss, and I don't think Parker's a miss at this point, but I mean... Mm-hmm. You you nailed it. If you need the steady week to week production, Crowder Crowder is going to be your guy there. Uh, Dynasty Demarius Thomas or a 2018 1.12. I still like Demarius. I mean, he could you know go the Des Bryant route where after this year, like you know, he's just falling off the radar. But he could be rejuvenated with the, his first real quarterback in a while. And I, I feel like there's a big tear break here right around the 112. Uh, in rookie drafts that, you know, you're going to have those top eight running backs gone. And then you're probably going to have DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, and Christian Kirk are like probably the next three guys going. And the the wide receivers after that, I mean, I like some of them. Michael Gallup, you know, could be good in Dallas. Cortland Sutton, yeah, he's going to take a year and maybe then, maybe then he'll be the guy in Denver, but we don't know. Um, There's just too many question marks. So I'd probably take the Marius. Uh, the only thing that changes that equation, uh, super flex, it's a strong QB class. I mean, I'd take the 112 there in a heartbeat because you're going to have either a quarterback there or you're going to have some of those other earlier guys mm-hmm. get pushed down into that slot. Um, tight end premium makes it a little bit tougher tougher because I do like Gasicki. So, like, you know, uh, he's a guy who might not be there, you know, at the 202 or 203. You might need to use the 112 to get him. And at that point, it's like, okay, you know, if you do want to get, you know, the only like really good looking stud, tight end with immediate opportunity in this class, then, you know, I might say, hey, you know, uh, depending what I'm going for this year, if I'm trying to win now or if I can afford to, to wait a year on a tight end, then I might trade, you know, I might uh, go with the, the 112 to pick him up over Demarius. Yeah, uh, nicely, nicely said there. I think it's like... When you look at it, can you really trade Demarius Thomas in a vacuum for Christian Kirk or Cortland Sutton? You know what I mean? It's you need a little bit more there. I mean, I look if you want to take Kaseki there, like he does make it to two two, two three, maybe two four, depending on the draft that you're in. Um, you know, I think Kaseki's just going to, of course, beast like you know, jump right into that upper echelon of tight ends within the next couple of years here. So I'm fine if you want to do it for Gasecki, but. Other than that, I would just hang on to, to Thomas as well. Uh, redraft, are there any quarterbacks you're willing to take early? Last season, I found myself 
taking Russell Wilson in the seventh, but of course the the emergence of more young guys, a high floor vets. Okay, so you you mentioned uh, Marcus Mariota. So where have you generally been pulling him down? Is there anybody else? Uh, last week we had a similar question. I I had Drew Brees, but I mean, you know, I just yeah, I I just can't do it. I don't know. I I'm just taking Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. They they just go so stinking late. Yeah, that that middle tier. I mean, it does feel like there's a lot of QB value there this year. Because even I even like some of the late guys, like James Winston's going like QB twenty or twenty something. And I feel like there's a good shot this year that that you know he, he's going to have a good year. He's got a lot of weapons there, and last year he was banged up. There's no reason he he can't have a good year. Yeah, it's it's tough that um you know Mariota he's going QB fourteen. The good thing is you generally don't have to reach for him. Um, I think one spot I really like grabbing him too is on draft where people don't pay attention to the fact that over there it's uh, 25 yards per point for passing versus 20 yards in MFL 10s and other formats. Um, and that makes a big difference. It really kind of makes, you know, the rushing work for the quarterbacks more valuable, uh, you know, relative to their peers. You know, I, I love taking the rushing quarterbacks over on draft. But uh, the one guy I'm targeting, you know, pretty much everywhere um, is Cam Newton. That uh, he's... I wrote him up early in the offseason. It's like, hey, he's being taken at the end of the eighth round. You know, that ADP is sure to go up. You know, he was being taken right around that same ADP last year. And he had a good year, not a great year, but a good year. And he had like a 12.3% win rate, you know, in MFL 10s, which, you know, 8.3% is a break-even point. So, I mean, he, he had a fantastic year, you know, uh, you know, for a quarterback in MFL 10s. And yet he didn't even have an amazing year. Like, like compared to his other years that he's had recently – you know, where he, he was, you know, really balling out. It wasn't even that great for him. And he's going to go into next year with better receiving weapons. You know, I mean, instead of Greg Olson, he had Ed Dixon most of the year last year, right? They traded away Kelvin Benjamin. Now, you know, some could argue that's addition by subtraction. But, uh, you know, Devin Funchess is still young. I mean, who knows? You know, but he's still going to be there. You got DJ Moore coming in. I mean, I just think that, um, you know, there's no reason Cam can't repeat what he did last year. And he's being drafted around the same spot. I mean, it just, it, it seems like free money there. So if, I, if I'm grabbing an early quarterback, it's generally going to be him. You know, where, you know, that, that's right, end of the eighth, beginning of the ninth is right around when the QBs start going. Especially in FFPC drafts, he, he's actually going earlier there. Um, but th- those runs go, go hot and heavy in those drafts. So, I mean, if you, the difference between grabbing a guy early and grabbing a guy late, you know, can, can make a pretty big difference. It's like, hey, like, oh, I'll just wait for a late guy. Well, you might only end up waiting around and then find out that you got to take a guy because almost everybody's gone and you're going to be stuck rostering five, you know, quarterbacks because you're not sure if anything we're going to start. So, um, so he, he's my guy I've been targeting. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, my uh, procrastination that I procrastinate way too much, and if I changed that then I could get around to fixing all the other shit I got to change about myself. <laughs> so I think that's like kind of a catch-all that I change that, that takes care of everything else. I procrastinate so hard, I tell myself I do my best work when I procrastinate. <laughs> that, that's the lie you tell yourself, right? A- absolutely. Absolutely. All right, lightning round. Here we go. Better season. Uh, Dion Lewis, Sony Michelle. I hate myself for saying this, but I'm going to say Sony Michelle. Just oh, Patriots boy. offense and... We'll see what happens. Tevin Coleman or Lamar Miller? Uh, I wrote up Lamar Miller as a value. He's uh, 
the only thing Kevin Coleman has had over him the past couple of years is touchdowns. You know, Miller's had more yards. I mean, he seems boring and unsexy, but like he's been doing it. And Foreman's Achilles, you know, who the hell knows? Uh, I'm going with Lamar. Same. Devin Funches or Sammy Watkins? I'm still a Sammy believer, and uh, I like DJ Moore. I think he's going to cut into Funches's work. I'm going with Sammy. Same. Doug Baldwin or Adam Thielen? This is a tough one, I think. I'm going with Dougie here because I love Russell Wilson. They say they're going to try and run it. I don't think that's necessarily true because I think their defense is going to be worse and they're going to have to throw it a decent amount. Um, and with the quarterback change in Minnesota, you, you just never know who the new QB is going to latch on to. You know, I love Cousins, but maybe he throws it more to Kyle Rudolph. Maybe, you know, Diggs is great. I think, you know, maybe Diggs gets more targets, you know. So uh, I think that's a real close one, but I'm going with Dougie. Yeah, it's Doug by a hair for me just because it's pure necessity, right? I mean, you know, I think the gap between Dougie and, and Lockett is much larger than the gap between Thielen and Diggs. So that that's the only reasoning there for me. Um, take a favorite or popular movie, John. Change one letter in the title. What is the new plot? All right, so one of my favorite movies of the last several years, Mad Max Fury Road. Everybody should see that. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Fantastic movie. I'm adding another R, making it Mad Max Furry Road, and it's just—it's the same movie except with furries. <laughs> it, it's basically uh, along the side of the road, right? Like it's just a whole bunch of bunny rabbits. Now that's what—that's what I get when you said Furry Road. Like it's just a bunch of bunny rabbits that are somehow mixed into the storyline. See, I was—I was picturing the furries, like the people, you know. Uh, and the big, you know, mascot suits or whatever, you know, those people. <laughs> so, like, it's it's just the same movie, except all the characters are dressed in, like, big, you know, animal mascot suits running around. Mad, Mad Max batshit crazy is what it turns into. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nicely done. I like it. All right, Dynasty, I'm in need of some cheap wide res- or running back production. Excuse me, uh, excuse me, pl- for my RB2 flex, who can I target for cheap? As a uh, maybe a 2019 second at the most, preferably a third. If you're going really cheap, um, and this goes back to me not being a huge Royce Freeman believer, uh, I think he might be kind of a system running back. I could be wrong. He could smash. So you know, smarter people than me have, have been on him lately. But um, I think Devontae Booker is a guy you can probably get cheap. You know, you might be able to get him for a third. That uh, you know, everybody's kind of assuming Freeman's going to go in there and and take over. Um, but Booker, you know, he might have a role. You know, he's going to start camp. You know, they're saying he's going to start camp as primary guy. And, you know, maybe he puts it together. Who knows? Um, he's cheap. And, you know, I, I'd give him a shot. Uh, for a second, I'm, you know, Lamar Miller. You know, I, I'm a believer in Dante Foreman, but I'm not sure about that Achilles. So uh, you might be able to find somebody who's down on Lamar Miller and pull him for a second. That's who I'd probably be targeting. Oh, man, I'm going to go out in every single one of my leagues and offer up a second for Lamar Miller because I'm all in on Lamar myself over here as well. Oh, boy, if somebody gives me a second, I am just going to jump off the roof twice. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be over. Yeah, what's interesting now, right, because we've had the turnover at the position, normally my M.O. was to kind of make trades for guys that are over that age curve so to speak for cheap right and you really don't have those guys at the running back position now like cj anderson you know i guess that's fine marshawn lynch you know i think that's fine but you know you're not going out and making a trade for frank gore and you know a couple years ago you could trade a third for frank gore and it was fine but now like they're just you know there isn't a market for those guys because 
they're just not there anymore. There's there's been a huge influx of running back talent, and um, you know, looking, you know, I'm I'm going to publish soon. Uh, I did last year to look at like you know showing that last year's running back class was the best one in years. Well, well, this one's like right behind it. You know that we went through some really lean years of just shitty running back classes where like maybe there's a couple guys up top, but like like the rest of the class is just you know as far as draft position goes, their um their prospect lab scores, which really looks at you know the production athleticism, they just weren't great classes. And now we've got two really good ones in a row, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of saturating the position a little bit more. Where it's I think you know you see these running backs going early, and everybody's like, oh man, you know. You know, are the RB prices being inflated? It's like, yeah, they are to a degree, but there's also a decent reason for it. I think there's, you know, if you look at the average age of like the running backs here and like where they were drafted and everything like that, I think you've got more, you know, high capital running backs, you know, in charge of these backfields now than you did in years past. And, you know, they're just better. Yeah, absolutely. I, a couple more guys I'd add to that list. Chris Thompson, Sexy Rexy, Rex Burkhead. But you know what, John? You like, you know what I noticed when I personally try to go out and get these guys? Like, it, it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, yeah, go, go get this guy. But generally, somebody that's rostering Chris Thompson already or Rex Burkhead, like, they're savvy dynasty owners, right? And, and yeah. I, I can't get either one of them for a third. That's for damn sure. And it's really, am, am I willing to give up a second for him? And like, I think if I'm right there, I'm I'm fine doing it. If if I'm in the hunts, right? But you know, once you get into the second, like I get it, the hit rates are bad. They're even bad in the first round of dynasty picks. But like, you can still pull something down from the second round that just really, really turns for your team. So I just I struggle at that point. So those guys, hypothetically, would you do it there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the type of thing of, um, you know, I, I think looking at the last few drafts too, it's like the difference between an early second and a late second is usually kind of big. Now, like the early second round, like you got a lot of hits, and then like the late second you don't. So, you know, you kind of have to look at, you know, the, the second uh, second rounder you're trading for or trading away when you're evaluating that versus like the running back you're trying to get, you know? Yep, absolutely. All right, um... Here we go. Your most successful hot take ever, and of course, your biggest whiff. You know, I I just started really, you know, writing last year, really publishing my takes. You know, a, a, around this time last year, a little bit earlier than this, I think. And um, you know, one of the guys I touted was Joe Williams. That was a miss, quite clearly. And uh, I'm 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 not going back on that. You know, I'm uh, or I am going back on that as far as like I'm done with him. Uh, I like Matt Breda. Uh, to to keep that backup role in San Francisco, um, for now. So th- that was a pretty bad take. And then um, I said to fade Deshaun Watson, and that's not looking too hot so far. Uh, you know, I just saw him go in a in a dynasty startup as the overall uh, QB one there. Um, I kind of questioned that move myself, but still, like that that just shows you where his value went. And I was saying, yeah, you know, I don't know about this guy. So that, that that's not looking too great. Uh, my my biggest uh, successful hot take was I was touting Todd Gurley last year, and I was drafting a lot of Todd Gurley, and that ended up being a pretty good thing. I was just saying, hey, he's got no competition for touches over there. So, I mean, I wasn't expecting what he ended up doing. Nobody could have expected the Rams would do that, but um, said, hey, he literally has no competition for touches. He's going to get such insane volume. All he needs is a little bit better efficiency. He's going to smash ADP. Todd Gurley didn't suck last year. He was pretty good. Pretty, he's all right. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. 
All right, last but not least, your two early sizzling hot take for the 2018-2019 season. I'm going to go Ronald Jones finishes as a top three rookie running back, which isn't blazing hot, but you know, based on general consensus right now, I think most people would have him further down. I, I, I like him. And uh, I think Barkley is probably going to be, you know, the top guy. Um, and, you know, Geis or Penny will probably be in there somewhere. But uh, I, I like Rojo. And I think that uh, a lot of people are sleeping on him. He's young. He was good. You know, they've been talking a lot of smack about him sharing the backfield with Barber. But I think, uh, you know, he's going to go out there and be explosive and, and force his way into touches. Boom. There it is, and that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV Mailbag, you can submit it via email, rotofhisradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at rotofhisradio. Use the hashtag RVMailbag. John, my man, thanks for carving out the time and coming on the show. Any last-minute plugs? Uh, no, just keep watching out for my uh, dynasty and best ball work on Rotovis that uh... – I've been uh, publishing pretty hard this off season so far. I'm going to try and do some more, you know, as the uh, as we get closer to the season. Good deal. All right, and be sure everyone to follow him on Twitter. That's ff underscore skiball. And folks, this this is seriously one of the wisest dudes you're going to listen to and read over at rotaviz.com. So make sure you hit that follow button. Do yourself a favor, and please don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at fantasygumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on rotoviz.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Told the white boy I wanted she ordered through Amazon. I opened the box, so <laughs> it's kind of just early by default. She's like, "Well, there you go." Plus, just set up. I was like, "All right." It, that's how all gift giving is these days, and I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, I don't, I don't need to be surprised. I mean, you know, like our, our like my mother-in-law. Like, what do you want? Oh, just give me cash, or you know, if you're gonna yeah. give me something, give me a check. Well, well, you're not gonna have anything to open. Like, no, I just, I just, you know, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. I don't need any of that other stuff. I mean, it's almost like today has, I don't want to say it dumbed us down, right? But, I mean, it has, in a sense, allowed us to, I guess, forget some of the, the, the things that used to excite us back in a different world a long time ago. That, I, I don't know. It's like an like, like getting Like getting that unknown, like, you know, like getting an unknown gift. Like, oh, wow, this is cool, you know, as far rather than getting exactly what you want. You know, like that surprise of like not knowing what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And now, right, I, I get a notification on my phone after, you know, I confirmed my order. Now, of course, it's on one touch, right? Like just one touch yeah. by. Like, oh my gosh. And, and so then I get the notification that it has shipped. I get the notification that it's in delivery. And then, of course, I get a picture notification of it sitting on my doorstep, which is amazing. <laughs>
<laughs> no, it's true. That's true. I mean, uh, you know, we use um, my wife and I. We use like the Amazon wish list. We do that with like our family and stuff too for like Christmas and everything. It's like you got everything on there. I see what people want. I go there. I click it. It shows up my house. I'm not spending like all this time digging around in a mall or something like that. Like, looking, oh, what do they want? They get them some bullshit they don't even want, you know. And then they got to return it. It's like I know exactly what they want. It's there. I click a button. It shows up. You know, uh, I'm down with that. <laughs> what, what is a mall? I mean, I actually took my kids to a mall yeah. just to, to take them to, to the food court because I, I wanted the, the old steak and fry company. Remember that? <laughs> oh, man. So I, I, took, I took them there and I took them to the, the indoor playground place. And it was just like, what am, I, what am I doing here? Like, you got to walk half a mile to get from one store to the next store versus just driving to the parking lot. Like, whoever invented the outdoor mall, right? Like, good on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's really weird being in there. Now. Like, I haven't been to a mall to go shopping. I, I can't think how long since I've had to go to a mall to, like, actually buy something. It's, it's <laughs> just like, what's the point, you know? Oh, jeez. And now even 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 all of the malls, the outdoor mall, I mean, it's Amazon is just eating everybody up. It's just... Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know what's funny, though? Amazon's, like, now opening, like, some brick-and-mortar stores, too, of, like... Like, you could go in and buy stuff or whatever, where it's, like, coming full circle now. But, um, but yeah, I mean, for, for most stuff, it's like, why am I go shopping? Where they have a limited selection and generally higher prices than you're paying rent to be in that mall versus, like, I can not leave my house and get it at a cheaper price and get exactly what I want rather than just what they have in stock. It's, you know, it's kind of like Uber taking over taxes. Like, once people say, hey, wait, this business model's a million times better. It's like, yeah, you know, taxes are still hanging on in some places, but it's, you know, they're not going to be around the way they currently are, you know, 30 years from now. I mean, everything might be self-driving by then anyway, but I mean, you're not going to have, like, taxis in the traditional sense anymore, you know, because everybody's seen the light and said, well, what, what the hell's the point? You know, why, why would I get a taxi? You know, it's funny, my coworkers always yell at me because we go out on a business trip together. And, and of course, the company is, is cheap AF now, right? So, like, we used to yeah. have cars. You used to be able to get your own car. Nope. Now you get a carpool with people who live 3,000 miles away from you. you got to figure out how to coordinate your travel and your flights and all that, even though you work yeah. for a Fortune 50 company or whatever. But then you land, and then everybody kind of fights over who's not going to order up the Uber. And it's never me because I'm not putting Uber on my phone app. It's just not happening. Like, I will call down a taxi because I know Uber could just be anybody. I mean, there's no... In, until I know the vetting is in place, there's some sort yeah. of certification process. Like, I know the rating system is what it is. There's Black Mirror's 101 for you. But it's just something... I don't know. I, I can't get on board with it. I end up riding somebody else's Uber. But I just... Until it is self-driving, I just want yeah. to stick in taxi. I don't know. Well, well, here's the thing. Like, if I was driving, you know, if I'm on company time or whatever and the company's paying for it, then I, I don't give as much of a shit. But to me, you know, when I've used taxis in the past, like before Uber was around, I mean, these guys are always pulling shenanigans. Oh, oh, my credit card machine doesn't work. Oh, you know, start the meter, like, at random times or whatever. So, I mean, if it's coming out of my pocket and I'm going to be paying, uh, literally, like, a lot of times in the taxi, it's going to be, like, twice what an Uber costs. And it's going to take, like, if you're going from an airport, see, that's another thing. You know, if you're going from an airport, like, a, a specific taxi destination, 
you know, that, that's totally different. But I mean, if you're getting, if I need uh, transportation, like if I want to go out for a drink or something like that, you know, I, nowadays, I, if I'm even having a couple drinks, I do not drive. You know, I don't even want to mess around. Even I don't think I'm going to be over the legal limit. But if I want to go from my house out to somewhere, if I call the cab, it would probably take a half hour to get here. It would be a lot more expensive. And then, good luck, you know, like, I, I've had cabs call and dispatch and tells you they're coming. Sometimes they just don't show up. Especially, like, late at night, you know, if you're trying to get one back, and they're like, oh, yeah, the cab's coming, the cab's coming. Then they never come. Uber, I go on my phone. I mean, generally, I do it. Uh, I'm out in the middle of the burbs. But, I mean, I almost never have to wait longer than, like, five, six minutes for one to pick me up. And then, like, sometimes I'll get one. It's, like, 70 bucks to get where I'm going, like, five miles away. It's just it's a thing of beauty. Yeah, it is. It is. I just got to get with the times. You know, a wise man once told me, if, if you're going to be drinking and driving and socializing and all that jazz, the rule of thumb is never have more drinks than wheels that are on your car. So, <laughs> so if you're having uh, driving a normal standard car, right, four drinks throughout the night, not like slam four drinks, right, but you're pretty much good. You're, you're driving a motorcycle, you're riding a motorcycle too. And I said, well, what happens when you're driving an 18 wheel? Oh, maybe not so bad at all. Shit, I don't remember. <laughs> you would think I would remember these things. I, I'm bad. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm. <laughs> Welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community.